Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And yeah, we are we are finally into the start of the show. We have introduced all the characters, we have established the new relationships, and now it's a new show. It's a it's a whole brand new show set in Miami, all about the uh Cuban emigre population. Yep. Alright. So, uh <laughs> let's get into it the episode starts with and this is uh i guess i guess they couldn't do this from a continuity standpoint but it kind of pisses me off that the uh the the story of all of the people fleeing a brutal dictatorship are from haiti yeah like il pavo is the haiti in this world yeah like that's long been established but okay, they've they've given up on continuity. Now we're just talking about Haiti. Fine, but okay. I I know you must have been a little disappointed in that too, right? Well, yeah, it would it would have been nice to just that would have been the kicker to you know independent Everything operator, independent operator in the Roger Lococo arc. Yep. Yeah, but it's like no, things didn't get any better because <laughs> well, like the story of Haiti is things just getting worse and worse and worse for those people for. How many, Ever. like, hundreds of years now? Jesus. Oh, such a nightmare. Those poor people of Haiti. But anyway, I just listened to a podcast about the Haitian Revolution, and I'm like, oh, my God. What a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. And it's like, it's okay to just hate the entirety of France, right? <laughs> just like, the whole country of France and the whole history me, of France. Okay. Let me put it this way. Yeah. You, you dislike France. Yeah. Even before you knew about Haiti. <laughs> That's true. Even before I knew the full story of what they did to Haiti, I already disliked France. So this is not a difficult proposition. To it, it, it was really funny that you took that dislike. Given that you were conceived there. I know, right? Yeah, you weren't born there. But, but I have I've never had any love for France. That the ironic thing is, is if we had stayed there. I'd be French. Right. You would you would have a right to French citizenship. I know, it's crazy. Like, I'd be French. I'd be speaking French as my native language. Well, not native, but my second language. And it's and, very strange. And, yeah. Yes, and Australia doesn't want you. Because, oh, well, that's only because, that's only because they don't want the children of Chinese diplomats, diplomats and Filipino dipl diplomats, but they couldn't say that. So they had to make it all diplomats. <laughs> So all children of diplomats who are born in Australia do not Can't have a right. Be, uh, to yeah, have no eligibility for citizenship. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. you found out. <laughs> Hilarious racist laws, and uh, they even affect white people because you have to write them really broadly to avoid people calling you racist. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so we start off with people fleeing from, uh, you know, from Haiti and. Uh, this is another uh, example of them, like, not having the resources necessary to do the kind of production they want. Because yeah. there is seriously a sequence where a woman, like, uh, they want to show how dangerous this is and people drowning and things like that. And it's like, there's a scene where a woman drowns in the 15 feet from where her boat stops to the beach. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. Like, no, I just, I don't believe that she would have drowned in that amount of 
Like, honestly, I saw how far that boat was. I'm like, you could have just walked to shore at that distance. And it's like, they, they want to do this dramatic thing, but doing that dramatic thing in like involves hiring a bunch of stunt actors uh, who can do the swimming and who can pretend to drown and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they can't afford to do that. So they're just like, no, we're just going to put you 15 feet on off the shore and just pretend to swim and just walk home. Sorry, yes. walk over to the shore because anything else would be too dangerous to ask, ask you know, uh, basic stunt performers to do and extras to do. And it's like, it's frustrating. But the point is, uh, the point is, we get established, uh, they establish the idea that 500 Haitians a week are just turning up in, in around Miami, right? South Florida, right? And that, and this is the key part, basically 50-50, either they get grabbed by INS, which is the precursor to ICE, which is no less awful than ICE. ICE is monstrous, but INS was no better. Uh, and either just shipped immediately back to Haiti, or they get scooped up by guys who run farms and get worked to death for slave labor wages. Like, getting to America is not, like, it's not a victory. And that's that's all it comes down to. Like, it's not, it's not an accomplishment. It's not the accomplishment you want, uh, meant you want it to be getting to america so yeah uh that's the situation that's what they want to establish then it's over to uh michael and his father and his buddy over at the airport a nice little scene of them uh what do you call it uh playing some baseball and uh you know hey it's a huge sport in cuba and his dad you apparently used to be a hell of a pitcher he could only motiv- motivate himself to keep throwing the ball by throwing out a picture of Fidel Castro. Yeah, well, yes, it's a, um, yeah, but it's a, it was a big sport. There were people oh, that huge. fled in Cuba. It's, it's always been. It's a giant sport in Cuba. Absolutely. Like this yeah. is all completely understandable, completely believable. Yeah. And then Frank shows up to try, to try and, you know, uh, demand answers and say that, yeah, I, uh, uh, ju- us looking into Terra Nova revealed that some other shady stuff was going on here. So I'm going to be around because of course he needs people to not find it suspicious that he's talking for Mike, Michael from time to time. So it's like, he wants it to seem like he's just going to be a guy working the area. Yep. You know, it makes sense. I think it's, it's a good plan and it's, it does everything they want it to accomplish. Now people are used to the idea of seeing Frank around. So it's not going to seem strange. So yeah, it's a good move. Then he has to go to talk to Michael after work about what are they going to do about Guzman? What can they do about information? And of course we go over once again, because you have to reestablish every episode who these characters <laughs> are. They no longer the trust the audience to remember people. And they've cut down the cast so much. You can't cut back to like Mark and Paul at the office doing like... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we joked about it at the time, but just like every week, there's going to be two minutes right at the start where Frank's going to be standing there and Mark and Paul are just going to talk about the ongoing case and reintroduce all the characters. And Do you know how long the opening sequence was reminding you of the first two episodes? I mean, oh maybe the first God. two episodes was shot, uh, was was shown and then there was a hiatus. 
I don't think so, but it's like you're right. They spent a lot of time. We lost, we lost ten minutes. We lost, yeah, there was ten minutes of filler at yeah, the beginning, at the start of this episode, just like yeah. reminding you of who everybody is and what had happened in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, they basically show us the whole first two episodes. Not all the details, obviously, but a shockingly large amount of the content they go out of their way to show us. Right, okay. and so uh, Michael gets the uh right he's got his file on all of the illegal stuff guzman was doing yeah. and he goes to guzman and he says and this is what he talks about with frank he says here's my file here's all the stuff i was going to get you with for being corrupt and guzman is quite reasonably like why are you giving me this like what do you think i'm going to do and he's like look uh and i i like this moment because he uses guzman's you can either term it as prejudices or understanding of how the world really works against him. Yeah. Because Michael says, if I was a wasp. Yeah. I wouldn't have been disbarred for doing what I would have done. Uh, what I did, I would have been given a promotion. Yeah. So and that was yeah, that, the strange thing. That was my point last week. Oh, absolutely. You know that there's no way for a first offense. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, uh, and so they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, and Guzman again, because he says that I'm done with, uh, you know, I love my father, but he still believes in nationalism. I'm ready to start getting paid. Yeah. Uh, and Hey, Guzman friggin' loves it. That's what he's always wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is exactly what he's always wanted to hear from Michael, which we'll find out more about next episode. Like that's, that's the key thing though. Like he, uh, he really does. He is, he, he really is a big fan of, uh, of Michael's. That's for sure. And then that night, a monstrous goon breaks into Michael's apartment to, um, apartment. Oh my God. His house, his houseboat, houseboat. his houseboat to threaten him and his, uh, him and Martika. It's uh whew. And that's how he delivers the contract of employment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going. Oh, jeez. Yeah, God, Guzman. Because it was, I because I had actually, I don't know why, I'd forgotten that that was how all, those two things were connected, right? Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's, it's quite a power move to pull something like that. Yeah, the yeah, Marialito. Yeah, the Marialito, the uh, the murderous thug from Cuba. Yes, and he's a real monster. All right, and then we get the next day where Cecil uh, Cecil Hoffman is finding out that Michael has been employed there, and she's none too happy about that because of all the stuff that happened last episode. <laughs> uh, am I the only one who finds everything about her style of dress? Like, I know it's Miami, but for a lawyer, her her outfits are kind of insane, right? Am I am I being too prudish about this? Or do you have similar feelings about the way this lawyer dresses? Well, theoretically she's not a lawyer anymore. No, but she is she, she's a business manager. Yeah, she's a business manager. She's high up. She's next to I mean, she's basically next to uh she's yeah, right a, next a to Guzman's operations, yeah. Yeah, I mean she's a key personage in if she knew she was in the mob she would be a consigliere but she doesn't know she's in the mob no No. and and that's the problem yes 
Is that how she should dress? I wouldn't think so. But I mean, uh, yeah, never mind. Yeah. That's how she dresses. dresses We just have to accept that. We just have to accept that somebody in costuming thought that was a good look for her. I mean, it's not like I. Yeah, I mean, this is it. Now we're getting into our complaints about everything that was so right in the first three (laughs) three seasons is now like just completely upended. It's cartoonish. Yeah, which is what, as I said, which leads me to believe, right, that, that you know, I mean, Frank Lupo and, and Stephen Jake and now just took off. Yeah, they're <laughs> off doing their other shows and people are just trying to keep this going and it ain't going great. You know, it ain't and, going and, great for anyone. But, but then again, given that they don't, I mean, even Carol didn't dress, well, she dressed much better. That's true. Carol did. Um, yeah, because Carol is the second best written female character in the, yeah, the Wise Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And even she's got serious problems. She does. But, um, you know, but at the same time, right? It oh, yeah. is, uh, I mean, no, it, it is Cecil's clothing. Yeah, I mean, we're complaining about clothing. Well, what I just think it's with? notable, you know, because that, and that's part of the thing. There's so little going on character wise oh, that we're left to talk about the clothing because here's what happens. So um, Michael and Cecil are sent off to get a warehouse, yes, right? To get the warehouse. To get a warehouse so that he can move in. Uh, something for his jewelry business. Jewelry business. He's being coy about exactly what he's moving in, right? Yeah. And he needs to move it in. And this guy, oh, this they so they find this Haitian guy who's got a warehouse up the river, right up the the Miami River. So more inland that they were planning than they were planning, but they need a dock to unload from. And he doesn't explain why because he's Guzman. He doesn't have to explain why. He just has to say what he needs, right? Uh, and so they uh and the guy uses the dock three weeks out of every month and he rents it out for the other month and so they give him uh and so they go and they talk to this goon and they say to uh like they offer him and he of course is very suspicious and very uncooperative and very not helpful and absolutely doesn't want to do business with a woman because he's monstrously sexist uh um, yes and he he is haitian he is haitian and he's monstrously sexist and, and yeah wow. and of course uh obviously frank and michael want to know exactly why this guy's being so cagey and why he can't they they talked about getting it for a full week and he's like no you can, can't come tomorrow you can only come the day after tomorrow and get it for six days and they're like why is he so yeah. You know, sketchy about this and why doesn't he want us to see the inside of his place and of course so they sneak in and find out that he's the one who has been rounding up all of the arri- uh, arrivees from Haiti and keeping them locked up until he can sell them to farmers because yikes yeah it's a bad situation <laughs> it's a bad situation all around and then Frank and Michael have to debate, well, what are we going to do about this? We got these literal slaves being locked up. But if we go and raid them today, 
it's going to blow our ability to find out what's going on with Guzman. Yeah, because they won't be able, because the whole place will be. Yeah, on lockdown for, by the feds. Yeah. So yeah, it's a well-observed. That is a real issue they're dealing with. Like it's a real problem they're dealing with if they want to keep this sting going, right? If they want to keep him underneath. And so they resolve to not put a call in on it just yet. Right. And then the next day you get the moment where, uh, uh, where, where Michael, if you want it again, uh, it's not like wise guy didn't always do some thuddingly obvious stuff. But that scene where Michael finds the little girl's cross left over. <laughs> I mean, come on, show. That's a bit much, don't you think? Just a little bit too much. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. But anyway, so he finds the little girl's cross. And we get that, you know, thuddingly obvious. This is the sacrifice he's making. He's possibly trading in uh you know trading in this little girl's life for his moves against guzman and it's like what is his you know what is his getting revenge on guzman gonna be worth to him you know so he had a nice little moment and then the guy who owns the warehouse comes back and is very angry that they have set up walls right that they have put up they have got armed guards and they have got chain link fences right and they're they're preparing this place for a uh <laughs> and they're preparing this place for some kind of a, a siege almost and he's like i why am i only getting a thousand dollars a day if this is such a big deal which is you know well, yeah, well, a crazy question <laughs> well so they told him they'd put it back the way it was yeah they told him we'll put it back the way it is but he don't like that at all and he's obviously going to make trouble and it's honestly weird that they don't anticipate that this idiot is going to make trouble for them. Well, yeah, particularly since they know he's what? Uh, what is the name of the the death squad? Tonton Makut. The... Yeah. Yeah, that he's ex of the Tonton Makut, right? He used to yeah, be yeah, a death squad. Yeah, and he, we'll find out soon enough, he carries a machete with him everywhere he goes. Because yeah. again, ex of the Tonton Makut, like those guys don't mess around. They never did. And then we're back with Michael and Martika in the houseboat. And she is very not happy with the fact that he's back working in the law because when she met him, he was absolutely miserable because of what being a lawyer had done to him. And he's been happy for the past couple of years. Yeah. His life has been better. Although frankly, like uh, how happy was he really given the amount he's been drinking? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like I think she's I think she's exaggerating how good being out of the law was for him cuz the, the man seemed to drink a lot is all I'm saying. Let's not forget how the character was introduced, right? Yeah. Uh but anyways, uh, but I mean really she doesn't like the idea that he's uh meeting probably meeting another woman. She's very jealous and suspicious and has every right to be. Yep. You know, he's literally working with his former fiance and hasn't mentioned it to her. Yeah. Well, she knows. Yeah, she knows, but it's like, it's not, not like, oh no, God, no. But it's not like they've had a conversation about it, is my point. No. And they yeah. probably should have. 
Uh, we get the start of a sex scene with the two of them that is interrupted when he gets a call from Cecil, who has been ad- abducted by the Haitian crime lord. Hey, if you uh, if you enjoy women being kidnapped and threatened, I hope you enjoy these two episodes. I think you'll love these two episodes. Seriously, going back to the well, people. Over and over again. But anyway, so she's been kidnapped and he has to get over there immediately. And then we get like this weird scene where like they're trying to do character stuff and plot stuff at the same time, but it doesn't really make sense because, all right, so he runs off to to rescue Cecil, obviously. Uh, Of course he does. And then instead of just calling Frank. Yeah. You know, calling Frank and saying, this is what I'm going to do. Come and bust this thing up before we get killed. He gives her Frank's number and tells Martika to call Frank. And it's like, they want to do a thing where she has to make the phone call to save his ex-fiancee and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, there's no character reason to do that. The 30 seconds it's going to tell you to take you to call Frank is not going to be the difference between life and death. This man is waiting for you to show up. Okay, here's 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 my take on this one. Please. They want to create this this uh Spanish this Cuban woman as unreliable and as flaky and as everything else and she, it's it's like this stereotype typical yeah. female um, hot-blooded female ra- racist stereotype. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And um, because, of course, he's got to end up with Cecil in the end. Oh, 100 percent. Because because she's his ticket to the big time because she's white. Yep. And New York elite. White and, you know, her dad is Jewish because, again, her name is Miss Stein. Uh, Like mother is the waspiest wasp you'll ever see. Dad is Jewish, New York elite, all sorts of power. Like, yeah, obviously they're going to end up together. And so you're right. They have to like, you know, is, uh, is Martika right for him? And I'm like, but this, this is such an awkward way to do that. There's ways to do that. that doesn't make him look like an, that make him, that don't make him look like an idiot. Or her like an idiot. Or her like an idiot. You know, it's just, you know, you don't buy it. No. Well, what do you, you know, here, here comes why, as I said, we wouldn't be as hard on it. I'm sure if it wasn't called wise guy. (laughs) It's true. I mean, we'd still find it like kind of awful and sexist, but we wouldn't feel like betrayed the way we feel like it because it's wise guy. Yeah. I mean, this is the early nineties and this, yeah. I mean, she's just this stereotype. That's Um, offensive. Yeah. Well, I thought it was, yeah, I mean, the opening sequence, the first time you've oh ever seen it. Oh my God. It. Yeah. Like her, like in a tight dress, holding a gun. I'm like, short. oh God, this short and, tight dress holding a four, gun. And four inch heels. Oh know? my God. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, embar- I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And him drunk. And him drunk. Yeah. Well, God, and that's Jesus. okay. You know, that's uh. okay. I know, I know. I know. Like We're going to stop complaining about the <laughs> the racial. But you're right. Like, And the fact that she's <laughs> fine with the fact that he co- goes out drinking every night and comes home and sleeps it off. Like, it really... They're not That's treating like, this character of hers very well at all. 
this is what men do. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, but anyway, so he rushes off and we have a confrontation. And of course, the uh, the goon, right? Uh, we He runs off. They have a confrontation. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, luckily, he threatens them. He wants more money. He's going to cut off Michael's hand. And then uh, Frank shows up just in time to arrest everybody. Right? Uh, just in time to arrest everybody. And, okay, well, that's happy. And, uh, you know, we got... We got a happy ending to the scene. Michael's cover is uh, maintained because they make it look like a, an INS raid. You know, Frank's even got a little fake badge for himself. <laughs> so it's like nobody knows Michael called the cops. It's all it's all working out pretty well, right? Uh, but unfortunately, the, uh, the Haitians get out and they come down to Maximilian's office, Guzman's office, to make threats and say... I know that you're moving shady cargo through the, uh, through the port, uh, through the port and into my warehouse. I want a bigger cut. You give me $50,000 or I'm going to make life hell for you. And of course, Guzman doesn't want to hear it. But as he says, I would never accept, I would never, uh, I would never allow myself to be threatened or pay bribe, but I do donate money to good causes. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. It's a nice little scene. And uh, it really is. I mean, he's he's doing great on this show. Oh, Maximilian Shell is doing his. Like he's his absolutely bandit. doing his best to like rescue this stuff. <laughs> and like when you look at his output in the seventies, like this is a man who is used to working with some mediocre material and give it his all. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like he thinks Wise Guy is beneath him in some way. Well, and and besides, he's the star. Ultimately, he is. He is you know, again, he's the focus he, of the arc. Yeah. And I would assume his agent would have signed him up on the basis of the first three years. Yeah. And it's like all and of his the agent people would have agreed. Have, it's true. It's like all of the great work that people have done on Wise Guy and the great things Wise Guy has done for everybody's careers, which it did. Like, again, yeah. we always point out that it's like so many people got their start on Wise Guy. Like, Wise Guy was this big chance to get a lot of eyes on an amazing performance and get a lot of work afterwards and plenty of people that happened for them. Yeah. So it's well, not like it, Yeah. I mean Maximilian Shell was already famous. Yeah, he didn't need he didn't need it, but it was nice to have him and Oh yeah. He did Absolutely. need someone. And let's face it, you know, there was no Ricky Ricardo anymore. <laughs> I know. Oh. That would have been interesting. Oh my god. Ricky Ricardo <laughs> had still been still been alive <laughs> to play this part? Oh yeah. Damn, that, that, that would have been something. Oh yeah. man, that would have been something. Because then yeah. you've got the actual weight of a man's history in Cuban politics. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah that that would have been that would have been one hell of a move. Can you but imagine? Any- I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but they didn't have anyone like that to. No, they didn't have anyone of that stature to drop into this part. All right. So uh, they they clear things. Maximilian makes his deal. They clear things to move stuff into the warehouse, and as they're doing it. Frank comes in to bust the whole thing. And then it turns out that all they were moving in was the gold. Yeah. <laughs> the South African gold that his jewelry company uses to make jewelry. There wasn't anything suspicious going on. You know, and now and the I... government look like idiots for harassing him over nothing, which gives him a chance to, you know, uh, clear... Oh. 
yeah, it gives him a chance to clear out any suspicion of him. It makes the government look like idiots harassing this legitimate businessman. And why would anybody think I, of all people, would do something like that? Yeah, would like break the law. You know, I'm a I'm a respected businessman who runs an international bank, and it's like, damn, this guy's good at his job. Yeah. This guy's real good well, at his job. Well, you know, but the writing makes it tenser because oh, yeah. he's not there and it looks suspicious. Exactly. But, uh, and, it's and, a well and, done and scene. I think it's a well done scene. So he was late. Traffic was bad. <laughs> yeah, that's know? his excuse. Traffic was bad. So I wasn't here with all of the paperwork. Right away. Right away, yeah. But yeah, so they they deliver. It turns out it was gold, but it was gold that they had every legal right to have. Even though it's from South Africa, he's like, here's the lading documents. Here's proof I've played all my taxes. Here's my import licenses. Yep. You know, like, it's it's a good scene. Because you're like, uh, they thoroughly got played. And the extent to which people are thoroughly getting played is just getting started. Yeah. And then uh, he pops, uh, he pops Michael into his Rolls Royce and they drive out to the country and he shows Michael where he has had the Haitian gangster strung up uh, because you don't come into my house and call me a woman. Yeah. Expect to get away with that. Damn. Oh, and uh, uh, one one other thing. Frank did uh, Frank did uh, arrest the farmer who was buying the slaves, and yes. the the twelve Haitians are going to get uh, residency visas so that they can testify against the guy. So Frank yeah. did the right thing by those people too. In case you're wondering, is Frank doing the right thing by the Haitians? Yes, Frank is doing the right thing by the Haitians. Yes. I mean, we knew he would. It's Frank, but it's, uh, Frank. it's still nice did. to see. Yeah. So yeah, that's the episode, uh, Black Gold. Uh, I mean, kind of a weird title, but it's referring both to the slaves and to the literal gold in the episode. So a little... yeah. Black Gold is normally used for uh, oil, but no, here it's uh, slaves and actual gold. Yeah. And, nice. <laughs> and it's it's funny because we get a whole episode of Wise Guy and it's it's cleverly plotted. It's it's a cleverly plotted episode. It's got some nice reveals and it's got some good performances, but it's like there's no other level to it. Yeah, nothing is ha- like it. <sighs> like nothing is happening in this episode that like matters for the characters. No, at all. And it's like we're not learning anything about Michael. We're not even l- really learning anything about Guzman, other than that he is. Uh, other than he is very clever and always a bunch of steps ahead of everybody. The only person that they're trying to do character stuff with is Martika, but that scene is so ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it has no yeah. impact. Well, because you haven't, you know, of course, because, you know, I mean, of course, Michael complains to Frank, why did it take you so long? Well, you know, your girlfriend took a while to call us. I know. And, you know, I'm I'm just going. Oh, heaven Are they help setting me! Setting up something like yeah, yeah, you know. Now, but when you're watching it, it's not just that, right? It's it's that it's setting it up. Like I find I can't get engaged. That's yeah. the problem. But what they are setting up here is that that the only 
everything that we have to go on, really, that there's something evil about Mr. Guzman, mm-hmm. is what Michael says. Yeah. Like, there is nothing really. Yeah suspicious about him right like like you i i don't know why i mean like we know his bank right we know his bank has been used to launder money for the medellin cartel right and he says he has evidence of that but he was never able to use it because he got kicked out he got kicked out of the the department and so yeah but but mr guzman explains that right he does he's like everybody banks with me you know? yeah. And let's face it, he works for the CIA to help with pro anti Castro stuff and pro Cuban, uh, you know, well, just uh, anti communist stuff. Anti communist stuff. And I'm sure. spoiler alert, the CIA is fine with the Medellin cartel for about around that stuff too. Yeah. Like, so he's doing stuff that's approved by the government. Yeah. So, I mean, you're sitting there going, right? Yeah. Well, you know, now. The, the thing is, of course, that Michael really doesn't understand, seem to understand the implications yes. of the fact that the CIA is somehow involved. Yes. Now, does yes. he know it at this point? Like, I'm trying to go back to that first two episodes and go, does Michael know? We, we know, Frank we knows, know, Frank but does but Michael has he know? Told Michael? He might yeah, and have. maybe Michael d- has never known about the CIA connection. It's possible. It's possible, and he wouldn't have picked it up in all the other stuff that he's been looking at, because That's he's true. been concerned about the drug stuff. Well, yeah, but all what his face is doing is he isn't moving drugs because that's what nope. they're, they're they're thinking he's doing. That's what the the Haitian guy thinks he's doing. Yep. And, and uh, no, no, he do. doesn't touch it. He doesn't touch it. The bank was set up by the CIA to launder money. Yep. For the CIA and for everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's to you know? give them this clean money that they can use for their operations. Yeah. That's what the bank's and, for. And they also let the, the, the drug cartels use it for that exact purpose. Because there's times when they need the drug cartels to do stuff. And not Fighting only communism that, in Central America. Yeah, and it's a great yeah, cover. And it's a good cover, you yeah. know? And, and therefore, you know, there's no blowback Mm-hmm. on Maximilian Shell or yeah. Guzman. Guzman get, never gets any blows back because he's doing everything the U.S. government asks him to. Yeah. And, like, you almost feel like, I feel like Michael has to know this, but it's possible that he doesn't. Well, you would think he has to know this, but then you'd think he'd be more suspicious of the government. Yeah, like he's if, just not. And this may be a writing issue or... It may be deliberate, but that part is not ever really resolved. No. Um, you know, Michael is is basically thinks that he's involved with the drug cartels. Um, yep, and yep. yes, and the airplane, because this seems to have been lost by this episode, that the airline yeah. is the key, it is being used by these different organizations to fly hitmen up and stuff like that and let's face it probably moving drugs and guns yeah for the contras yeah but But if you're moving drugs and guns down to south america 
Yeah. Right. Then, then of course, if every now and then it comes back and we all know this is true. Yeah. You know, by the time, I mean, for heaven's sakes, this is post idiot face. Hmm? Oliver North. Yeah. All, all North. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like the Oliver North Iran counter stuff. That's what, that's what all of the stuff with Roger was about. Okay. And I'm going, I'm going. How, so how Michael. You, yeah. Michael, you're right. Michael doesn't have an excuse for not, putting this together yeah and and it's 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 kind of i'm i'm thinking okay did we miss something in that first two episodes i don't think but i did. don't think michael seems to be on board well, really understand what's go all of the stuff that's going on here yeah particularly the cia connections no well no there's the, i don't think we've had a scene of him being told that the government will do whatever it takes to protect guzman because of his CIA connections and him doing favors. And even Frank doesn't seem to, that doesn't seem to be weighing into Frank's decision-making. Cause it's like, and that is a very weird thing about that last episode. You're right. Because yeah. if Frank knows that this guy is connected with the CIA, which he does. Yeah. Why is he assuming that they're going to be able to just like grab him with some drugs and put him in jail and shut down the bank? Like that's, you're playing in a bigger field here, Frank. Yeah. And you're acting like you're not. So yeah. And Frank is well weird. aware. Well, Frank yeah, it went is through everything weird. with Vinny and the government. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if they don't know the Il Pavot story and yeah. setting up the bank and mm -hmm. all of this sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely. So it's, he was in on know, all I mean, of that. Come on. Let, let, let's get back to all of the, the stuff with the, um, yeah um the cia the stuff the cynicism and the, 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 the you know the religious stuff yeah exactly that we had three yeah, it's, years it's ago a very it's a very weird it's very weird that michael does has not in all of the stuff that he has done has not made a connection to the cia yeah and i mean this some of this stuff is going to come up later so it's not like we're not yeah, yeah obviously some of these questions are going to be raised and there's going to be character stuff but it's like, it is weird that it isn't already coming up. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's genuinely weird. The impression is that Michael has no clue about that part of it. Yeah. Because again, they, they keep acting like, oh, well, we'll just get him with some contraband and that'll be that. Yeah, had proof that he, that he flew a death squad. Yeah. Into America to kidnap an FBI agent and nothing came of it. What do you think of like some drugs at his warehouse is going to do? Yeah. Like the all CIA made people. all that go away. Ah, yeah. the CIA. I mean, all three people involved in Vinny's kidnap and potential murder. Wound up dead. dead. Yeah. Every one of them. All right. So now we start with a little story about pre-revolution Cuba. Right, where Michael is listening to Chattanooga Choo Choo on his uh uh on his old timey record player and, and thinking back and he's got these two paper horses, which these Oregon horses, which I feel like should be a little more beat up because the story and I'm like, are these <laughs> the horses? Like, cause if he just makes them himself now because he remembers, that's fine. But the way he talks, it kind of seems like these are the horses his dad the original horses had him smuggled yeah. out from prison i'm like 
Yeah, that was 35 years ago, Michael. How are these horses looking so good? So I kind of feel like they should have had a line that he just keeps making them over and over again. Yeah. You know, because uh, because of the connection he feels to his father. Yeah, so he has a whole conversation with Martika about, like, what his father went through. Yeah. Right? And, you know, about how he believed in a free Cuba and he believed in democracy. And ha- and I was like, well, it didn't happen to democracy back then, but that's another conversation. Uh, but he l- believed in the free Cuba and he believed in the government and he hates the communist. And it's like, and he, he despises that his father, who, you know, gave his life for this cause, is being exploited by this man who has perverted all of those things just in the pursuit of money. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Michael. I want to, I want to like just sit him down and tell him all about Batista, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. And the history of Cuba and the Maine and what America spent, you know, the 90 years before the Cuban revolution doing in Cuba. And just because your father was a, you know, just because your father was like a guy who worked for the government and was a, and like, and was a, a heroic dude. That that doesn't mean he was on the right side even back then, Michael. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get some more of that crap in. Well, coming up. Yeah. Excuse me. Coming up, right? But yeah, I mean, so he talks to her and stuff, you know, and so and 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 so. But he is that. Here's the point. Michael is a true believer. He is. He's a true believer in the, and and we shouldn't discount that. And that's maybe why whatever would have moved him toward the CIA, it it doesn't, if we want to give him a a reason. Benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, the benefit of the doubt. But it, it is that he is a true believer. He's believed all the stories. He was a little boy. Yeah. Right? Well, then, when like they... every year he went with his dad to the veterans of the Bay of Pigs dinner yeah. and heard all of their stories and saw these They're people being lauded stories. as heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, these are the heroes. And Guzman is the bad one ruining what was supposed to be the good thing. And it's like, oh, Michael. Well, yeah, because he's got a bank and he's got all of this stuff and he somehow or another came into it. And I, yeah, and no, I mean, it is clear that Michael does not connect. No. Like, he he tells you all of the things that are so suspicious, and he does not make any connection to the American government. No. That the CIA set him up with this friggin' bank. Yeah. Set him up with the cartels, set him up with, you know, the Central American quote-unquote freedom fighters. You know, like it's it's fascinating. Then we get a scene about that. Yeah, uh, it's, there's a little subtlety in this first scene, and then the mirrored scene at the end of the episode. You're just like, whatever subtlety this show was capable of is all gone out of the window because Maximilian Shell gr- gets a great monologue, you know, uh, played off by a few lines from Michael just about what uh, walking His about. Best friend. <laughs> I know his best friend, Fidel Castro, who betrayed all of our beliefs. Like, oh my God. Okay. Okay. And, how, and talks about how any man can be bought and that he only cares about power anymore. And that's what he learned from his friend Fidel. That at the end of the day, ideology is for suckers and all that matters is who has power and how they're using it. And I'm like, well, you're not actually that far off. <laughs> 
However, right. however, Fidel did manage to give give Cuba the highest literacy rate in the world. Yep. Uh, a healthcare system that you cannot complain about. Nope. Now I don't know how things are now, but but for right? a long time, yeah. But anyway, and I, I I assure you that right now Cuba is not very happy with Putin, and I think no. some of that may have been because of Obama. Oh, you yeah. know that because originally they were allied, and then they turned neutral in the, yeah. today. Right. When we're recording this is during the shooting war in Ukraine, and there has just been a vote in the UN essentially yeah. to censure Russia for its actions. And five people voted no. The vast majority voted yes. And about like 30 some countries, 35, voted, countries, 35 countries voted abstained. abstained. And, you know, Cuba. flying in the face of all history, Cuba was one of the abstentions. Yeah. And, and China that was, was that was shocking for everybody. And China yeah. was one of the abstentions. So, and the yeah. thing is, China, you get because China's playing its own international game. Yeah. But Cuba turning on Russia yeah. is that's that's a hell of a thing. Yeah. Oh, and uh oh, but at the end of the day, he talks about how everything is power and money is just a version of power, meaning that anyone can be bought and everything has a price. And then he shows off the thing he cares about most of, uh, in the world, his grandfather's shotgun, which was passed down like this beautiful target shooting shotgun that he uses to shoot skeet that his grandfather passed down to his father passed down to him. And he's like, well, OK, maybe not everything's for sale because <laughs> there's well, no price at which I would part with this piece of my family. Yeah. And by the way, again, the stuff about Fidel Castro, it's, it's thuddingly obvious I mean, they're just trying to make their point and get out. It's all very obvious. But this stuff about the shotgun is actually a good character beat because it pays off later. And more importantly, right, it yeah. does show that it's like, yes, power, power, power. But he's still human. And there are things that he values more than money and power. Like there are yeah, things I, yeah. that are that he, at least he says are more important to him than that. Well, and he does. I mean, and this is the thing that 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 we didn't talk about. Like, as Marilita, his girlfriend says, yeah, or his fiance says, mm -hmm. but he donates. But he is a good person, and he, and clearly, he does spend huge amounts of money to help the Cuban community. Yeah, to help like the diaspora the community itself, the di yeah. Cuban diaspora. Yep. Right? He really so, does. Yes, he may be. Now, mind you, and he's single and without children. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's single, but he's definitely without children. Yeah. He couldn't manage to father any children. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is interesting. And she makes the case. Why are you doing this? She just like Cecil for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. But even even Cecil doesn't see anything wrong anything corrupt or wrong with guzman and what he's doing yeah but she you know now she doesn't she doesn't buy his cartel stuff yeah she doesn't believe uh, that he's involved with the cartels but she, yeah she's done in, well, she's plenty involved in his banking stuff and doesn't see anything shady there no there's nothing shady in his banking stuff mm -hmm. and, but she even before michael has always been obsessed Right. And she saw it. And now Marilita 
and they've both got sort of different reasons for yeah. thinking that Michael is wrong. Michael seems to be the standalone because even his father refuses to turn on Guzman. To turn on Guzman. Yes, okay, things, you know, but this is what we had to do. And no, I'm not going to do this, you know? Yeah, well, and the thing is, it's like, I'm not saying he he's greedy, but on some level, he has this almost childlike, my father gave everything for this cause, and this man, you know, is in this giant mansion. Yeah. And living in bank, and my father, like you know, has this small, like this small scale life running a small, tiny airline. Guess you know? what? And it's like where he still, even though he's running the airline, he still maintains the planes himself, you know? Yeah. But here's the funny thing, right? Yeah. This is the the one place where uh, Mark Santana is like Vinnie Terranova. Yeah. They don't understand their father's lives. No, not at all. And, and this is actually because this is also like Carol and her father. Yeah. Right. Well, well, no, because he saw the material success as the thing that mattered. Yeah. And he felt all betrayed. These, yeah. For these guys. Yeah. For all I mean, three of these, like for Vinny, for Mike, for Mike. And for Carol. And for Carol. Yeah. They all see money. The American dream is money, success, flash. Mm -hmm. all of this right well, that's yeah, it's like important i mean and... it's, it's notable that his father grew up as this mechanic right this mechanic yeah. and then guzman sent michael through college and then michael went living this high-class life with fancy suits and fancy cars and big offices and wanted to wanted the flashy like the stereotypically flashy life well no this is the american dream yeah. Where was Vinny? Where did Vinny really look good in yes. the music? In the music, he loved it. And all of this, yeah, the flash, the the stuff, and even in all of the other ones where mm -hmm. he was in the earlier ones, right? Oh yeah. Right when the, his his favorite was Sunny. Yep. That's the one that has two to the end, right? Oh, yeah. He never got through that. That was. Yes, that was the life, mm -hmm. you know, and he was always treading that line. And Michael Santana, the same thing. He wants all those things. And therefore, they believe that their parents should want them. Carol's the same thing. Yeah. Eli stole the company from his, from, yeah, from, from his her brother. father. Yeah. And her, you know, they lived in, again, the same thing as Mike Santana's. Yep. So this they is a, a perfectly happy yeah, middle-class life. Yeah. But seeing the upper class people just over there is something that he couldn't get over. He just couldn't get over. Side. And Carol, Carol can't Carol's get over. exactly the same way. Yeah. It is, it is an interesting through line that all three of them have this, this key character issue. Yeah. So, ups so upset because their fathers somehow or another were seen they well they never understood that their fathers were happy with their middle class lives yeah you know i mean because if just, you're american you've got to you've got to swing for the fences you've got to it's all or nothing if you're american it's go big or go home that's america yeah and that's look at where that got all these characters yeah every one of them 
And that's the thing. It's like, I mean, for the love of God, that's literally like Mahoney's last line in the show. Is that like, literally, we had everything anyone could have ever wanted, but we kept demanding more. Yeah. Yeah. Just just in case anybody doesn't remember Mahoney, right? Way back in the first- Way back in season one. Yeah. And, but I mean, that's what's get, that's what keeps getting all of these characters. It's this inability to be satisfied with what they have and find some joy in life other than amassing power and showing other people their value. And that's even, that's even the problem for Robert Davi. Oh yeah, absolutely. Same problem. He had the exact same problem. He came up from nothing. He came up from nothing and he had to get right to the top. Yep. It was never enough to just have enough. Well, no, but same with Joey Grosset. I mean, it's like yeah. it's this character flaw in all of these people. Yeah? It's it's what the prophets were doing. Yeah. I mean, the only guy. And you could say uh, the only guy who walked away from it. Well, there's two characters ever who walked away from it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, there's, a, there's Raglan and there's Roger Lococo. Yeah. And they're the only people who could walk away from it, except, except of course, for Mark. Mark Volchek also wanted to walk away from it. And yeah. that is his whole character arc is, and we didn't, amazingly, we didn't talk about this in Lynchboro, but his entire character arc is figuring out that that stuff isn't important. Yeah, like, that is, yes. It is, it is amazing. Now that we talk about this theme, Yeah. right? Like his open rejecting of his father's legacy really is the culmination of the show's themes up to that point. And it just shows what an incredible piece of work the Lynchboro arc was. Yeah. That it really is a thematic closure for the entire show. Yeah. Fascinating. uh, And then, and so then you have to move on to somebody else. Because Michael is. Yeah, Michael is. Yeah, because Michael hasn't learned these lessons yet. No. And yeah. and of course the Cuban emigre um population is a perfect place to to set it, to set it in that yeah. sense, right? Because you've covered the rag trade, you've yeah. covered the music business. You've covered you know? the mob, like who is left yeah. to talk about? Well, yeah. So now let's let's go and discuss the Cuban emigre, <laughs> which have the same yeah, problem. Yeah. This this business of the American dream yeah. that everybody comes looking for. Yeah, that's a really and, good point. And it dry and that's so that's the other thing. It's not just capitalism being skewered, it's the idea of the American dream and the destruction that it causes. Yeah. And it does destroy in this this arc as well. Oh god, yeah. And we're going to keep talking about that as we move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get back to the plot. Yeah, let's, yes, let's, actually, let's actually get, and I mean, the thing is, it's a plot heavy episode. There's not a lot of themes, but the scene, like even with the Castro stuff, yeah, it's a powerful scene. Oh, it's a it, it brings up this stuff. Oh, so then we get um, the two Cuban gangsters. Yeah. show up wanting to talk with Guzman and Michael leaves before he hears the, uh, what they have to say. Uh, we get uh, Mike, uh, sorry, Frank finally introduces Michael to who used to be Uncle Mike, 
but he can't be Uncle Mike because we've already got a Michael in the cast. So Nan Bur- now Dan Burroughs is his Uncle Bill, who runs a bookstore in North Florida. Yeah. Right? And then we get the uh and then we get a confrontation at the bar. We get another song from Martika, who again, we can't say enough good things about her as a singer. She really is a top oh, yeah. performer. Yeah. She yeah. really is. Uh really great job. Uh so she we get another song from her, and the the gangsters show up to have a conversation. We find out that the uh the one with the ponytail doesn't have a tongue. He had it cut out by the uh, Cuban cops as punishment for, you know, his many, many years of monstrous crimes. So, yeah, that's, that's a bit bleak. And so they come to threaten him and we find out what uh, we find out what the main gangster's deal is. And that is he loves movies. Dude cannot stop talking about the movies he loves. Because <laughs> he introduces himself to Michael by talking about uh, John Wayne and the yeah. I ain't gonna hit ya, the hell I ain't scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and that becomes a theme with him. And it's like, it's just, it's a quirky writer's thing. But I gotta say, like, it is it is fun listening to this guy talk about John Wayne and Richard, Richard uh, Widmark. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh that was that was good yeah the the whole like uh it's just this whole idea of well i mean and you can say that it's things i mean i don't know if the show's thought about this much but you can say that it's like um life imitating our performative villainy because like literally the idea is that this character spent his whole childhood in cuba watching american movies and yeah. learning how to like be a tough guy by watching American movies. And so now like his whole life is just this performance of a cinematic tough guy persona. Yeah. And I mean, that's an interesting idea, but it's not like the show is interested in discussing what that means to be him as a person. Like he's, he's not that complicated a character, but it is interesting because if you want, like if you were writing a paper about this, you could talk about how America like, how American cultural exports essentially like for the whole region, for at least all of North and Central America decide what is the limits of how people behave and how people think and how people interact with each other, like how powerful American cultural hegemony is that this Hispanic gangster is talking about all of these white guys in movies that he has patterned his life after. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's something there to talk about, but it's not what the episode's about. But no. like, again, even this even this season has stuff you could write some papers about if you wanted to do your pop culture analysis thesis on wise guy, which you know, yeah. there there's worth shows to be writing a thesis about. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes in to threaten uh to threaten Michael, you know. So obviously the gangsters don't like that the company is becoming more legitimate and there's not much as much chance for them to do thuggery, which is where they make all their money. So his idea is Michael knows how they're going to be like, they can't get the gold, right? All of this, this $10 million worth of gold. There's no way to get it out of this well-guarded warehouse, but Michael knows when and where it's going to be transported. So maybe... They could pull a little scam. Michael gets his cut. They uh, disappear into the dis into the like they disappear over the horizon. Michael gets it cut. Everybody's happy. And if he doesn't go along with it, maybe his dad gets killed. 
So yeah, like the guy's uh, making quite a play. So Michael goes to suss out his father, right? And see how much his father knows about the corrupt stuff that's going on. And he brings Martika with him because quite intelligently, he doesn't want to leave her alone with these creeps running around. (laughs) It's actually quite a reasonable thing he does. And I'm bringing that up for a reason. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, uh, his father, naturally, doesn't want to talk about or hear the corrupt things and, like, understands the need for these kind of tough guys at one time. It's like, that's not what the organization is and that's not what the movement is. But it's like, sometimes you need guys like this around. And I'm like, okay, that's actually very reasonable about the whole situation. He's a pretty darn good character, Michael's father. Yes, but you are going to pay at some point. Yeah, you're always going to pay at some point if this is the kind of life you live. And that is that is the big final message he has about these guys. And of course, uh, then Michael goes to see Frank, right? Uh, goes to see Frank to find out what should he do. Because they have to, like, he's undercover. He needs to decide what side of this he's going to be on. Because these guys are threatening him. Like, does he go to Guzman or does he not go to Guzman and tell him about it? And of course, they decide to go to Guzman. And while this is happening, like, Martika is being tied up and, you know, terrified and assaulted by the mute guy. And I get really pissed off as an audience member because Michael saw the guys threaten her. At her own club, he knew she was in danger to the point where he took her with him to see the father. father. And then the minute he goes to meet Frank, he's like, oh, just go home. It's fine. No, it's not fine. Yeah, I know. Bad writing. It's really bad writing. So they can have another scene of a woman getting tied up in danger, which we literally just did last week. Like, you've established that these are bad dudes. We don't need this scene. No. No, it's it's bad writing. Well, it's bad writing. It's what the yeah. studio wants, I guess. It's what pe- well, it's what the TV audience expects. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just, it pissed me off. And I don't yeah. mind saying it pissed me off when this happened in the episode. Like, pissed me off originally pisses me off now. Like, you don't need this scene. And it's frustrating to me that they thought they did. It's like, we get it. And it makes him look like an idiot for leaving her alone when a group of gangsters had already threatened already her. threatened her. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it pissed me off. The scene and if I were her, I, yeah. And if I you were her, I'd be, dumping him. I'd be dumping him pretty quickly. Yeah. And of course, Michael isn't an idiot. He goes straight to Guzman. To tell him about the situation. And Guzman is very uh, chill about it. And he says that, you know, we'll deal with it. And he's very good about it. And then so, uh, Michael goes to talk to the uh, <laughs> to the gangsters. And the head gangster's like, yeah, I'm not surprised you went and talked. Uh, it's like, yeah, I know you went and talked to Guzman. The whole thing was a test. He needed to know if he could trust you. And, uh, but here's the thing. I don't like these kinds of games. I don't like these kind of uh, these kinds of tricks and games and nonsense. I think we really should rob the thing because everything I said to you when I was doing a loyalty test is true. I am being sectioned out, and we did. Me and my brother do need 
like a way out of this business. So I say, let's make this little test real and rob it anyway. And I'm going to threaten you just like I, like I've already shown you that my threats are real. So the fake threat I did. Yeah. Take that more seriously than you might've otherwise. Yes. And now, and then we get to the ultimate threat threat to Michael. Yep. He's got a picture of Michael and the fed. Yep. So, so now you can't go back to Guzman with this threat, buddy. Because, yeah. you know, I'll tell on you about Frank. And so now Mike really is in a bad position. He really actually has been cornered. And he has no choice, He, or at least the gangsters think, he has no choice but to go along with it. But, of course, he goes straight to Frank. Because he's not an idiot. Yes, and Frank... Of course, says, oh, God, this is what we get for taking in amateurs. <laughs> it was, they were following you and you didn't pick it up. Yeah. Well, you know, he's never had that kind of training. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's and Frank promises that in the future, they're only going to meet in ultra secure locations where you can't take a picture of them from the distance, which, you know what? Probably should have been doing that all along, Frank, but whatever. Yeah. It's a little late to complain about it now. Uh, so yeah, now, and of course, now we get to the big heist when they're moving boats out. And the idea is we just have a clean robbery. They get away, uh, with the gold and then Michael will get his cut later. But instead, uh, they kidnap Michael and take him off into the, uh, and take him off into the, this shack in the middle of nowhere and tie him up. And the guy they have coming to check the quality of the gold tells him, yeah, this isn't gold. This is <laughs> lead with gold paint on it. Because, yeah. spoiler alert, lead weighs almost the same. It's almost as heavy as gold. It's not as heavy as gold, but it's almost as heavy as gold. Really heavy lead. So now Michael's in a real bind. So they call up Guzman and said, you screwed us. Just pay us money or we'll kill Michael. And they have accurately detected that he has, they have accurately observed, not detected, observed, that he has some emotional investment in Michael. Yeah. And so they're just going to do, it's now all of the plots, all the schemes, it's all over. This is just a kidnapping now. Right. Yeah. And they just, they just want money for his boy. And yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good play on their parts. So I'm not going to say it's not. And he's like, all I can do and they're like, give us the $10 million. He's like, I don't have $10 million to, ha to like get over to you today. But he's like, today, right now, I can get you $2 million that's clean money that you can walk away with. And yeah. like, okay, sounds like a good deal, but he's got to deliver it himself. Yep. Uh, so he heads out. He, uh, he hands them the money. And then the minute they get distracted looking at the money... He pulls out his gun and executes the both of them, rescuing Michael. <laughs> Second time in two episodes, he's killed some gangsters. How is this guy this hard to put in jail? But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. he's covered by the CIA. He's covered by the CIA. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess when you got the CIA having your back, you're uh, more willing to do that. And then we get... The second half of the scene from earlier. Now it's nighttime at Guzman's estate because, again, the, the show can still do some thuddingly obvious imagery, right? 
because the first time they when they had their her first conversation about his betrayal and his belief in Cuba and his grandfather, it was daytime and it was bright. But now Michael has actually seen him kill two people right in front of him. So they're meeting at night because he's got access to the dark part of Kuzman's <laughs> life. Like it's all it's all very thuddingly obvious. And but the show's never been afraid of that. But the the step too far is when they have Michael say the subtext of the scene. Because after everything Michael has been through for Guzman, right? And that's what Guzman believes is happening now, because he doesn't know about Michael's involvement with the FBI. And, like, he really does believe he went all through all of this for him. He offers him the shotgun. Yeah. And we all know... You're this son I never had. We all know what the shotgun means. But then instead of Michael just turning down the shotgun and us understanding what that means, they have Michael say, I can't be your son, I already have a father. I'm like, you didn't have to say it! That's what him offering you the shotgun and you turning it down means! You don't have to also say it. And wise guy didn't used to also say it. And that's what's so frustrating about this season. Because it's not just that it's like they've got a smaller budget. It's like they're missing the subtlety now. It's just they're missing the subtlety that made this show so special and unique. And it's so frustrating to me. Because it was so good. And seeing scenes like this, it's just... It's aggravating. (laughs) So he turns down, he turns down the shotgun, he turns down a new father. Then he, then he's back in his house and he's listening to the song and he's looking at his father and he calls him up, right? To talk about them, their relationship, the old days to like try and figure out who his father is and you know, what he's giving up by choosing honor and the CIA over what Guzman is offering, the CIA, the FBI over what Guzman is offering him. And this is a nice scene too, you know, and it's a, and again, they still say what you will about the, the fall the show has taken in a lot of ways. They still know how to structure an episode because they start it with this story about his father and it ends with a conversation with his father. And it's like, and it really is about him seeing his father as a person instead of a hero. Yeah. And trying to figure out like, because you got his father lying in bed and him, him obsessing over these horses and how meaningful they were to him. And it's like, but his father's got this whole life after the, after the heroic stuff he did for Cuba and for that, his father's had a whole life since then, you know, (laughs) a life of compromises and living in the real world. And, being disconnected from his son sometimes. And it's like, and he's finally seeing his father as a full person, right? Rather than just this ideal. And it's interesting. Like, it's it's not terrible, you know? <laughs> like, the show is doing stuff here in yeah, a well, way that you remember, want Wise Guy to do. Please. It, well, and remember, it is Guzman who points out to Michael that, yes, his father was an idealist. And yep. his father was, a, you know... And that he's always been and always will be. And the world just isn't made for idealists. Yeah. And it's a good, like, there's good scenes in this. And part of, I guess, 
I'm frustrated because there are still good scenes in this. Yeah. You know? Like, so much of it is thuddingly obvious now. And they're doing, like, they're trying to make a more action-y show. And they're trying to, like, be this generic thing. And then every now and then you get a couple of scenes like this with him and his father and Guzman. And you're like, oh, this show still remembers what Wise Guy is. Yeah. You know? The show yeah. still knows what Wise Guy is supposed to be. And it's so frustrating that, like, it really comes down to you don't even feel like, because we made, we joked last week about, I guess, all of the good writers left to do other things. But that's not even true. The show could still do good things. I just, were they not being let do good things? And I feel like maybe they weren't. Yeah, that, that seems to be because, again, you because you don't get that full-fledged, when I think of how we understand Sonny Steelgrave and we understand Mel Prophet and yeah, we watch yeah. them falling apart. Mm-hmm. And well, not Sonny didn't fall apart. Sonny just, his world just ended. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Everything collapsed around him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know. Only because he killed Pat the Cat. Yep. Other than that, he would have been fine. He really would. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, so you've got that. You've got um, Mel Prophet. You've, you've got Volchek. And that was Volchek. You've got, you know. You, you, you don't see the same you got Winston. Yeah, you've got Winston. The best version of this, you know. Yeah. And, and here... With Guzman, you, you never get a sense of him as a real person. No. You never see him really in his own home. No. Um, you never see him having relationships or anything like that. At, yeah, like at Michael like just doesn't. And I mean, we're, we're putting in spoilers for the next three episodes. But Michael, despite all of this stuff and the good stuff they're doing, Michael never gets to be enough a part of Guzman's life. Yeah, like I, you know, and I would say, well, it's not enough episodes, but everybody got to be a part of Mark's life in Lynchboro, and that's only five episodes. Yeah, and the thing here is, right, and what I would say here is, is that this was the turning point, as 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 you say it. Not only was it thuddingly obvious, but if he had been a, a a real undercover agent, he would have accepted the gun. Yep, of course he would have accepted the gun. The guy has just made himself incredibly vulnerable to you. Yeah. He's just shown his soft underbelly and you looked away. Yeah, and you walked away. Yeah. Rather than you're going for the the schmaltz as opposed to going for the undercover operative. The problem is, right, because we hear that story about him hitting the home run and looking not to his father, but to Guzman for approval, right? Yeah. And the thing is, had we got the sense that, and this is what we never get from Michael that we needed to get from Michael for this to work. We needed him to turn down the shotgun because he wanted to take the shotgun. Yeah. Right. Because if he was just a, as you say, if he was just an undercover operative, he would have. But the thing is, being offered that shotgun needs to feel like it's everything Michael ever wanted in his whole life. Yes. Yes. And he can't, and he realizes that 
if he takes it, he's not doing it as a federal agent getting in on this guy. He's doing it because he really does want this man's approval. Like, he's turning it down for his own mental health, even though it's hurting the job. Yeah. And That's what Vinny you needed to never, do. Vinny would never have done that. No, of course not. <laughs> no. And here, and this is the point, too, right? Is that you don't have a sense of... A, like a real understanding you know that michael feels betrayed by guzman yeah but you don't ever have a real sense of when the betrayal happened mm -hmm. what the betrayal was about yep so that michael went looking to turn this guy out yep because i i don't i have i have watched this so many times right and i can't tell you other than the whole jet, as you say, the, as we talked about when we were, you know, calling back to Carol Goldman, right? Uh -huh. The, like the, the jealousy over the America dream stuff. Other than that generic jealousy over the, like, I don't know what Guzman did to his dad. Yeah. Like his dad went to jail and was tortured and Guzman wasn't. Okay. But a lot of people weren't. Yeah, no, no, and and that's that. Is that, this that really just about his material success? Can it be? And and that it just doesn't. There's some like you needed to set some more betrayal. Yeah, why? Something because after all, you know, not only right is there. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? But I'm going, okay, like the airplane. I mean, his father is perfectly happy work. His father essentially owns the airplane. Yeah, line. the airline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The small yeah. airline. He the owns it. Business. Yeah. So they have a good life and there is money. Mm-hmm. Right? And Michael and, never wanted for anything his whole life. No. No. He went to all of the best schools and Guzman paid for all of it. You know? <laughs> You know, and, and his dad, so what, you know? I, yeah, I mean, that, I think, if I'm trying to look for the flaw, we had we have to have more of a reason mm -hmm. for Michael to have turned on Guzman after he got out of college and once he had become a prosecuting attorney. Yeah, why is he now obsessed with taking him down? Yeah, what has he learned somewhere and that needed to be and you can't episode. just and you can't just tell me it's that well I found out he was laundering money for the cartels. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like that's it. That's it. Like uh I I got to tell you something. You you remember that Bay of Pigs thing that you're always talking about? Mm -hmm. Uh that that you loved so much? Uh you know the American mob paid for a lot of that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like American mob, American, the American mob and the American oil companies got together and the CIA organized it. And that's who paid for the Bay of Pigs. Okay. Like that's, that's not conspiracy theories. This is history. Yeah, you, this is no, what you, happened. Can you can look it up. Like, it sounds like I'm saying a crazy conspiracy theory, but I'm not like, we know that for a fact. Yeah. I mean, that's, guess what? That's... The government wasn't able to pick up the check for it because they had to look hands off. That's why there was no air support. Yeah. The CIA had to find its money by dealing with criminals. And the, the mob was happy to do it because they were going to get their casinos and their prostitution and their drug dealing back. They lost yeah. a lot of money 
when the Cubans, uh, like when the Cuban revolution happened and they were willing to spend a lot of money in the hopes of getting it all back. For example, and if you want to know about this, I direct you to the movie, The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. This, you know, it's like, how are you this naive <laughs> about this, Michael? You can't tell me you're offended by what Guzman's doing. If the the idea of, and I mean, we're going to talk about, we're not going to get into the Cuban revolution and who was right and who was wrong, blah, 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 blah. But if you are on the side of being anti-revolutionary and taking Cuba back, right, from the communists, you're going to have to get in bed with some very bad people. And all of history has said this. So the idea that that would be this, you know, crucial thing, that the one thing Michael couldn't put up with that turned him against Guzman, it doesn't even hold water. Yeah. No. It's just not logical. As I said, this is what was, it is the big flaw here is trying to figure out what turned him. Even if he had just gone to university, yeah. And decided to study Cuban history. Yeah. And all of a sudden he got different different views of things and that it wasn't so, or he found something out about Guzman that Guzman had betrayed somebody. Yeah, betrayed or things to the revolutionaries to save yeah. his own uh, eye, to save his own hide or knows? something. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that they that could have, have done. set this up better and as i said and 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 as far as in the whole because we've got all north we all of that stuff was being under freedom of information was coming out about what happened in 62 Mm -hmm. like the bay of pigs it was a horrible disaster and i mean why forever there will be the conspiracy theories because you can't prove it you don't have the documentation to prove it you know about the cia because even the guy that killed lee harvey oswald yeah was okay. hooked up with the mob no no yeah he was and the uh, the other guy that snow which one there was another witness who uh, go watch the oliver stone JFK. Yeah, yeah right yes right no but it turns out and snow i think was his name as well and he always denied his involvement and always denied that he was working with the CIA. Oh, Shaw, 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 Shaw. Yes, Shaw. No, yes. Yeah, 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 Shaw. Shaw, of course. And then yeah, it, Clay it Shaw. turns out, of course, He Shaw. was a CIA operative who was move, always moving around forever. money and resources forever and was involved in the Bay of Pigs. And we only find out about that later on. Years right? and years later. So yes. there are reasons why it will never, Come never, out. ever that that part of it will never die. I don't care if the full Warren Commission comes out because most of it's out now. Yeah. Right? But that... The fact that Trump, of all people... I I just want to point out that Trump, of all people, made sure that a bunch of the Warren Commission documents got re-censored for another indefinite amount of time. Shows you that there's still stuff in there. Yeah. And what happens is that the CIA and the mob... uh, work together to assassinate Kennedy. That is never going to go away because there's too much crap around the Bay of Pigs. Yep. And Cuba. And that's that's um, what, that is the water in which this is swimming. And you just don't. And like with all of that as the possible ways to take this story, 
Yeah. Like, why are they doing this stuff with Michael that just doesn't resonate? Well, it yeah, it doesn't resonate. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You needed you needed you needed Guzman to be more of a villain. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the past, maybe you could have even had him guilty making up for it all. Yes. Crap, he did it back in Cuba that Michael found out about. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There's ways to Something. do this right, and they're just not doing it. Yeah. It's, it's like so it frustrating. Yeah. And I don't know whether it was because that would have made it more personal rather than political. Because yep. what we are watching is it's much more political than it is than it is personal, personal. for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways for Vinny, even Sonny Steelbrick, it was personal. Like his willingness to go after the mob was personal. Absolutely. That, that, they all live with these American dream things, right? Mm -hmm. That Vinny never left either, right? The only one who seems to have left it is Volchek. Yep. And Roger Lococo. Well, obviously Roger. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, I like John it's, Henry. It, yeah. Well, yeah. And it, John it Henry, is, you know, like yeah. stepped out of that world finally. Finally. Yes. But he was still, you know, sort of, but his was not a disenfranchise or dis disenchantment with the american dream no his was just this is like being this, a this cop this for this killing. kind of thing is like it's toxic for anyone and you yes. can't be healthy doing this yeah. like there's no way to do this halfway and there's no way to be healthy doing this job yeah and so he had to leave the job finally yeah and he and wasn't he wasn't against america and he wasn't against capitalism and all that but he no. was against the sacrifices he had to make to prop up capitalism. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. And that was it. And it was that, that this, the capitalism inherent in this particular episode. Oh yeah. Um, is, is pretty clear. And it, it is, but John Henry. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them all come from these immigrant communities mm -hmm. or with really, really bad backgrounds yeah. because even Volchek's is, is the Polish immigrant. Yep. The Polish immigrant community. Yeah. Right. And um, so you have all all that. They're all dealing with that American dream. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's strange that even when we get down to this far in that there are still new threads that you can put together that you didn't For this put overall together theme. In the same way. No, yeah. like we so really it didn't. Is, it's not the first thing you would think of when coming on these episodes. But it's still like it's still on this theme. I just yeah. wish they were doing it better. Yeah, this but this could have, unlike the other ones where yeah. we don't really rewrite them. Um, yeah. This one, this one, we could pro we could probably have come rewrite. up with a better. Oh, absolutely. Thing at the beginning to make the the relationship between Guzman and Michael um, more meaningful and more more impactful. meaningful. And and Michael having to go through more crap than just yeah I want money now yeah well no, I, because if I were Guzman I wouldn't have believed it for a minute I know but if they after had all of this uh, the stuff he's done no you're right and but it's like if they already had this relationship where he was already his surrogate son yeah you know and then he felt betrayed and went away and then he tries to come back that could have landed. Yeah, that absolutely. And you have to have something other than money. Yeah, absolutely. To motivating to their breaking apart and coming back yeah. together. 
Yeah, yeah. No, totally. And then that that would have helped it so much. Yeah. It's a frustrating arc for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And the thing we're discovering this time is like one of the biggest reasons is that there really is potential for good stuff here. Yeah. There really is. All right. So okay. uh, more about that next time. <laughs> for now, though, as always, I want to thank you for listening and say that if you have any questions, if you have any comments, any suggestions for profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we are going to see you back here uh, on, I guess, Tuesday for Vincenzo. Uh, truly a wonderful show that is 100% in control of its themes and characters. <laughs> yeah. In stark contrast to some of the stuff we've been talking about here. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. And of course, uh, next Wednesday, more style section. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. We'll see you back here for that. Uh, but until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.